Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. But anyway, this is a good teaching message. If you got a pen and a piece of paper, you might want to take a couple notes. I don't usually preach like this, you know, a, a structured message. I hope it's structured anyway, but I got three points or three keys that I'm going to give you this morning that are very important. So you might want to write them down or put it in your notes section in your phone or your Bible app or whether you're using an iPhone, an Android, a pad, a book or whatever. I don't see too many paperback books, Bibles anymore. Brother Howells got one. Brush the cobwebs off of it, Brother Howells. You open it up. <laughs> I love you, brother. <laughs> but I want to talk to you this morning about a very important and necessary component that is paramount to us living a successful and victorious Christian life. And that necessary component is joy. But don't jump to conclusions yet. I'm not talking about the kind of joy that you're thinking about right now. I'm not talking about something that just makes you happy. And I also want to talk to you about once you get this joy, how to maintain it. Because it's going to give you the ability to overcome anything that comes your way. All the challenges of life. And this joy is going to help you to overcome them. And the reason I said it's a necessary component to our success is because of what the prophet Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 8.10 in the latter part of the, voice, the, the verse. He said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That means I need the joy of the Lord. I need his strength because I'm weak and my strength doesn't carry me through all the challenges of life. I need some help and I need it from him. Amen. The more joy of the Lord you have, not the more joy you have, but the more joy of the Lord that you have, the stronger you're going to be. Praise the Lord. I thought you'd get a lot happier than that. But our, our joy is, you know, we say the joy of the Lord, but what does that mean? Our joy is linked to our relationship with the Lord. He don't just pour out joy. Joy comes because we have a relationship with him a living relationship with the Lord. And that's what gives us strength. It's the relationship that we have with Him. And when you're in relationship with God, you will have the joy that only God can give. The kind of joy that gives you strength. And it's because of that relationship that we have with Him that we're able to draw strength from Him. We know Him. He definitely knows us. We are in fellowship with him. We have a relationship with him. We love him. He loves us more. We give to him. He gives to us more. And it's because of that walking, talking, living relationship that we have with him that we could have joy and the joy of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So if we're going to be successful in life as a Christian, then we're going to need the Lord's strength. We can't do it all in our strength. We just can't overcome all the challenges that are sent our way. And we need the Lord's joy because that's where the strength comes from. 
So what is joy? I'm going to tell you what the world's definition of joy is first. This is from the American Dictionary. It tells us it's an emotion evoked by well-being. It comes from well-being. It comes from success, good fortune, or by the uh, prospect of processing one's desires. Uh, It's an emotional pleasure arising from present or expected good. In other words, you can only experience joy if you're having success or through the things that you possess. And this joy only comes if something good is happening to you or you're expecting something good to happen to you. You know, people get joy because the UPS driver is scheduled to come today and he's scheduled to bring me a package. But if he don't come when we think he should, and the package is delayed and he don't come till the next day, we lose our joy. We're not happy anymore. Why? Because we didn't get our package. We didn't get what we desired. We didn't get what we expected. But this doesn't come even close to describing the joy of the Lord. The joy that the dictionary described is something that is short-lived and only comes when something good happens or something's about to happen, or we can anticipate uh, something pleasurable, a pleasurable, pleasurable desire coming to us in the very near future, and we get we get joy. But it's linked to well-being, success, good fortune, or the things we possess. But what if? I don't have everything I desire or my future doesn't look very clear to me. Then according to this definition, the world is telling me that I can't have joy. I can't have joy when something bad happens to me. Now, I'm not going to be happy about it, but I can have joy through every single circumstance because my joy don't come from the world. It comes from God. And with that joy from the Lord, I have strength. Hallelujah. I mean, what if I just lost my job? What if my marriage is going to hell in a handbasket and my spouse doesn't care? What if I'm having financial problems, can't pay the bills, I'm having trouble with my in-laws and they just become my outlaws? I can't have joy. How many people have come to the realization that in this life, you're going to be faced with difficult and challenging experiences? Difficult and challenging experiences. Uh, circumstances. Bad things are going to happen to you in this life. That's the world we live in. Amen. But do you mean to tell me that when something bad happens to you or something unfavorable happens to you, you can't have any joy? Uh Uh-uh. We could have joy. Now, if you never had any bad things happen to you, then there's nothing I can do for you today. I can't help you. This message is not for you. Come back next Sunday. Maybe I'll have something for you. But on the other hand, if you have faced some challenging and undesirable circumstances and you anticipate facing them again, then this message is for you. I can help you this morning. Amen. Amen. I can tell you how to have joy through every adverse circumstance you go through in life. We used to sing this song at this old little country church we went to. Sister Ann, you remember this. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. Shannon, you remember that, Brother Darrell? The joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. That was the refrain or the chorus or whatever you call it. But the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. Hallelujah. So it's not, I'm not, yes, things make me happy. When good things happen, they make me happy. 
But that is a short-lived, temporary joy. It is always subject to change because as soon as that situation changes, I ain't happy no more. I lost my joy. Hallelujah. Now, like I said, joy and happiness are pretty closely related, but there is a difference. Happy is being favored, according to the dictionary, is being favored by luck or fortune. It's enjoying well-being and contentment. See, it's just like, you know, enjoying success and being successful and things. In other words, if I'm not doing well or I'm not content, then I can't be happy. I can't have any joy. The world's joy and happiness is generated by external circumstances. It, uh, it's generated by the things you're experiencing on the outside. Uh, you know, like you get a new house, a new car, a new piece of jewelry, a new job or a promotion. But the happiness or so-called joy that it brings is just short-lived because as soon as the newness wears off of that, you done lost your joy. You ain't happy anymore. You was happy when you got it, but now you're sad because you're making payments and you can't see an end to it and your insurance went up. You done lost all your joy, and along with that, you lost your strength. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord doesn't come from external things. It doesn't come from what's happening around you or what's happening to you. The joy of the Lord comes from internally, external. It's, it's internal and it's eternal. It's not, it's not gauged by what's happening on the outside. I can be joyful when good things happen and I can be joyful when bad things happen. As a matter of fact, I need more joy when bad things happen because I need the Lord's strength to get me through them. Yeah. Hallelujah. With this joy, you can lose your job and still have it. With this joy, you can have a fight with your spouse and still have it. The kids can get in trouble at school and you can still have this joy. Someone can diss you and say bad things about you and you can still have this joy because this joy is not affected by external circumstances. It's not affected by what happens on the outside because this joy is internal. It's a part of you. Hallelujah. And when you need it, it comes up. And along with it comes the strength to get you through that thing. Look at John, the 15th chapter. John 15. And we're going to start reading with the fifth verse. This is Jesus talking. If you've got a red letter edition, that's why the letters are red. It says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you keep that straight, it'll be better for you. He's the vine, you're the branches. It's never the other way around. He has everything you need. You don't have anything that he needs. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, bears much joy. Why? Because joy is a fruit. Love, joy, peace. Joy is the second fruit on the tree. For without me, you can do nothing. That's a good thing to know also. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. That's what happens to a branch that gets disconnected. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, much joy, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, uh-oh, it's starting to get hard now. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So if you don't keep his commandments, you have his love, but you're not abiding in it. You can't abide in it. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. God wants you to get his joy and he wants it to remain in you so that your joy may be full. And that word full means jammed to the top, crammed in so there's no more room for anything. Isn't that a good fulfilling thing? I mean, that's, it's great to be full of that kind of joy. There's no room for discouragement. There's no room for depression, no room for disappointment, no room for hurt, no room for sadness, no room for all the dramas of life. There's no room for it because you're full of joy. Hallelujah. You can't hold any of that other stuff. But as you allow your joy to deplete and you allow the challenges of life, the things in, that are happening externally, as you allow them to affect you and direct you, then you will be losing your joy and you will be making room for all those other things like sadness and depression and discouragement. That's why he wants us to stay full of his joy. All of these things that we experience are uh, by external circumstances are things that happen on the outside and don't let your life or your feelings be controlled by external things. They're all temporal and they're constantly changing. And if you're changing with them, then you're up one day, down the next, flat with the ground another day, and you're like a roller coaster. Your life is unstable. It's unsteady. Why? Because you're in and out and up and down. You need to be full of joy. See, don't let these things dictate to you how you're going to feel or what kind of moves you're going to be in. You know, I feel happy today because good things are happening. Oh, I feel sad today because something sad happened. Oh, I'm angry today because someone made me mad. Are you hearing me? You're being affected by external things. Things that don't amount to nothing. Things that are only temporary. Things that have come to pass. And you're allowing them to direct the the way that you feel and the mood that you're in. Have you ever seen moody people? I wonder what kind of mood he's in today. I better duck. Oh, wait a minute. He looks like he's in a good mood. Oh, okay. I'll come out. I, I've known people like that. I had to evaluate them. When I was a kid, I'd evaluate them, see what kind of mood they're in. And if, if they didn't look like they was in a good mood, I'd steer, steer clear of them. God wants you to have a joy that goes beyond all the external things that are happening, a joy that's consistent no matter how you feel or what you're going through, this joy is maintained and it's maintained internally. And if you're not experiencing this kind of joy, then you don't have the joy of the Lord. If you're up one day, down the next, in one day, out the next, level with the ground, above the ground, if you're all over the place like that, you don't have the joy of the Lord. But you can have it. How do you get this kind of joy? I'm glad you asked. Verse 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, much joy, for without me you can do nothing. So if you want the joy of the Lord, then you have to learn how to abide in Christ and how to allow him to abide in you. And that word abide means to dwell, to take up residence, to live in. 
So he, he's not, you know, uh, there's another way of using the word abide. It's like, you know, I have to abide by this law. Well, that's not the kind of abide it's talking about here. It would probably fit if you looked at it because he's asking us to abide with him and abide with the things that he does and abide with the things that he says. But this abide here in the Greek is translated to take up residence in, to live in, to dwell in. He wants us to dwell in him. He's already dwelling in us if you're born again. He's already taking up residence in you. He's already living in you. He's not leaving. But he says we have to be in him. We have to abide in him as well. It's a, it's a two-way relationship. It's not a one-way relationship. God wants a two-way relationship. He wants dialogue, not monologue. He's telling us to dwell in him and he will dwell in us and take residence in him and he will take residence in us and live in us and we'll live in him. He's the true vine and believers are the branches and it's the, from the vine that we get everything we need. Uh, uh, the branches on a tree get everything they need from the, the vine or the trunk of the tree. All the nutrients, all the nourishment, all the water, all the vitamins and everything that the roots are drawing from the ground come up through the vine and then out to the branches. That's why we got to stay connected to him. Because if you get lopped off for some reason or you lop yourself off, you're going to dry up and get put in the fire. Amen. Amen. So we have to stay on the vine. It's the vine that feeds the branches, but it's the branches that produce the fruit. You never seen fruit growing on the trunk. It grows on the branches. And so he's expecting us to produce fruit. And he said if we abide in him and he abides in us, we'll produce much fruit. And one of the fruit we'll produce is joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 16 and 11 says, In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You know, I can look at some people and know that they haven't been in the presence of the Lord in a long time. Why? They don't have no joy. If you have spent some time in the presence of the Lord, you'd be full of joy. The Bible tells us that right here. In, in thy presence is fullness of joy. You'll be full of joy. And people think it's hard to get into the presence of the Lord. But let me show you something. God has three attributes. He has, he's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. He's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. And he's omnipresent, which means that he's ever-present. He's everywhere at the same time. They're in, they're in a place you can go if the Lord is not there. When you woke up this morning, he was there. When you got in your car to drive to church, he was there. When you walked in this morning, he was there. When you sat in your seat, he was there. He's everywhere. He's always present. Like the song said, he's always with us. He never forsakes us. There's no place that you could ever go that he's not there. If you went to the other side of the world, he's there. If you went to another state, he's there. If you went into outer space, he's there. You don't ever have to worry about getting into the Lord's presence. You just have to learn to acknowledge that he's always present. He's always present with you. He's always there. And all you have to do is recognize that and start to realize that I don't have to have a prayer session. I don't have to have music. I don't have to have anything to get into the presence of the Lord because he's there. He's always present. And all I have to do is recognize that and start fellowshipping with him. 
I don't have to drum anything up. He's always there. We just, we're just not aware of his presence. So we have to acknowledge his presence by talking to him, sharing with him, worshiping him. I mean, do you recognize when you're in the presence of the Lord? I'll answer that for you. No, you do not. And that's the whole issue. He wants us to enjoy his presence. And I can tell by looking at you, you're not enjoying his presence. I can tell by looking at you, you haven't been in his presence in a long time. <laughs> that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> what would you do if you're hanging with your best friend? What would you do if you're walking down the street with him? Would you talk with him? Would you share things with him? Would you listen to them? Would you cry with them, laugh with them, have a bite to eat with them? That's all God is asking. He wants a relationship with you. That's what a relationship is. These are the types of things you do when you're in a relationship. I do all these things with Pastor Red. Why? Because we're in a relationship. I know her. She knows me better. But we're in a relationship. And the only way you get to know somebody is by being in a relationship with them, asking them questions, finding out what they like, what they don't like. And they're doing the same for you. And this causes you to build a relationship. That's why I don't believe in love at first sight. I guess you figured that out by now. I think you need to know somebody before you say, I love you. Because you don't know what love is. You don't know if you love everything about them yet. Get to know them. Learn what they like, what they don't like. Learn what you have in common and what you need to keep your mouth shut about. That's relationship. Amen. You know, there's millions of Christians all over the world this morning that aren't in church, but yet they call themselves Christian and they know Jesus. And the reason they're not in church is because they don't have a relationship with him. If they had a true living relationship with him, they would be here. They'd be in church every Sunday. They wouldn't be able, they couldn't wait to get to church. Why? Because of relationship, not because they know him, but because they're intimate with him. They have a relationship with him. Hallelujah. We think we can only talk to God when we pray, but God wants us to have a relationship with him. I, I mean, what do you think about this? What should I do about that? Uh, which way should I go? When should I go? I need some money, Lord. What's the best way for me to get it? Do you, do you have some extra overtime for me? Is there talking to him constantly all day. Should I punch this guy in the throat or should I just wait a little while? He will talk to you. You got to talk to him though. I'm just being real. I mean, that's the way you talk to God. You know, most people think that they have to not only talk to God in prayer, but talk in King James or he don't understand them. No, God wants a relationship with you. you need, he wants, and I'm not being disrespectful, he wants to be your boy. He wants to be your man. He wants to be your bud. And how would you talk to your buddy? How would you talk to somebody that you're close to? Would you say, thou hast sinneth? No. You say, you're messing up, man. And, and you know, God wants to be able to tell us that. Say, you're messing up. You're going the wrong way. Yes, sir. Which way you want me to go? And talk to him every day, all the time. Uh, you know, I've been trying this more and more lately. I've been doing this 21 day challenge in prayer. And, and one of the things it does is it's breaking down the Lord's prayer and it's showing me the, the things about God and how close he wants to be to me. 
and how close I should be to him. And it's reassuring me that I can be close to him. That he'll, he will talk to me. He will converse with me. He don't just give me commands and demands. And he talks to me. He reasons with me. And I reason with him. <laughs> he, he always wins, though. <laughs> but that's how God wants us to be. Uh, he doesn't just want us to talk to him when we set aside five minutes for prayer. He wants us to have a constant dialogue with him all the time, you know. Uh, this, I forget who it was. One of the faith men of old said that uh, somebody said that they pray six hours a day. And he said, I ain't never prayed six hours a day. Not all in a row. He said, but there ain't an hour goes by that I haven't prayed. So in other words, he just communes with the Lord all day. And he talks to him all, the, all day. So he don't have to kneel by his bed at night and have an hour of intercession because he's been talking all day. He don't have nothing left to say. He goes to sleep and he sleeps in peace. Amen. Amen. We made prayer a chore. Prayer is not a chore. It's just communicating with God. See, you can't just talk to God when you're in a jam. People think they can put God in a box and just take him out when they need him or when they're in trouble. And that's not a relationship. Because as soon as you get a bad report from the doctor, you're looking for God. You get him out of the box. As soon as something happens with the kids at school, you're getting them out of the box. But as soon as that thing is remedied, you put them right back in the box. That's not a relationship. You're a user. Don't use God like that. See, young people don't have a relationship with their parents. But where do they go when they need something? To the parents. That's not the kind of relationship God wants to have with us. And that's not the kind of relationship we should have with the Lord. Stop treating God like that. God wants us to talk and walk with him all the time. And that's what abiding is. When he says abide in me, he's talking about a relationship. He's talking about a lifestyle. He's talk, talking about something that is ongoing and never ending. That's what we need. And, and he's there all the time. Like I said, he's omnipresent. He's there all the time. All we have to do is recognize that. And say, Oh, God, you're here. I don't have to look for you. I don't have to seek you. I don't have to spend five hours in prayer or, or fast for three days. You're there all the time. Anytime, Amen. all I have to do is acknowledge it, recognize it, and begin relationship with yes. you. Amen. Most Christians don't have joy. And they don't have peace. And they're always worried about something. They're always in a bad mood. They're always sick. Why? No relationship. Amen. I read the word. No relationship. I pray. No relationship. You need a relationship. Amen. Verse 7 said, if you abide in me... And my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. The first key was if you abide in me. So, okay, now we're abiding in him. We have a relationship with him. We're talking to him. He's talking to us. We're communicating. We're fellowshipping. We're walking together every day. I'm presenting him with my problems. I'm seeking his face for answers. He's answering me. He's giving me solutions to things. I have a relationship. I'm abiding in Christ. He's abiding in me. Number two, key number two, we have to have his words abiding in us. 
We have to read his word. We have to study his word. We have to meditate on his word until we get it in our heart. This is not just memorization because that goes in your head and you'll forget that. This is meditation. It gets it into your heart so that uh, when your head fails you, when your thinking fails you, when you can't think because you're in fear, something hits you out of the blue. All of a sudden it comes up out of your heart. The word. Hallelujah. You can't forget it because it's in your heart. King David said in Psalms 119 and 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He hid the word in his heart. How did he do that? By meditating. He said his tongue was like the pen of a ready writer writing on the tablets of his heart. What does that mean? He was talking the word and writing it on his heart. So you mean when I get this word in my heart that I might stop sinning against him? Yep, you might. That's what it said. If I'm abiding in him and his word is abiding in me, then I won't want to sin. How's that? Amen. See, right after I got saved, I started memorizing scripture. You know, Brother James, I love Brother James. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith giveth patience. But let patience have a perfect work so that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Uh, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally that breatheth not, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven by the wind and, and tossed. How did I memorize that? How did I get that? It's not in my head. It's in my heart. But how did I do that? Because I was going through something and God showed me that scripture. And I started reading it and meditating it because he didn't speak to me audibly. But I knew he was telling me my answer was in that passage of scripture. And so I started meditating on it and reading it. And, And that was important to me at the time. Uh, because God assured me that if I asked for his wisdom, he would not withhold it. He would give it to me and he'd tell me how to get out of that mess I was in. And so that scripture was important to me. He would give that to me along with everything I needed to come out of that mess I was in victoriously. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and this shall be done for you. I got that word abiding in me. And I asked and it was done. See, you want to memorize scripture? It ain't hard. Get a three by five card. Write the scripture on. Don't start out with a whole chapter or something. Start out with one scripture that seems significant to you. That seems pertinent to you. Write it down on a three by five card. And every time you think of it, take it out of your pocket and read it. Read the first sentence. Then read it again. And then read that first second first sentence and the second sentence then read them again and keep doing that until you got it by the end of the day you'll have a scripture memorized in your heart and once you get that word in your heart then you're abiding in his word praise the lord you don't have to memorize the entire bible either you just have to memorize and meditate on and get in your heart the things that are pertinent to you the things that the lord shows you see The word of God is broken down into the Logos, which is the whole written word, the whole Bible, and the Rhema. The Rhema, the Logos and the Rhema. The uh, the Logos, like I said, is the written word of God. But when you're reading the Logos 
and something seems like it just jumps out of the page at you, something just seems like it lights up or it's highlighted, that is something that's pertinent to you. And if you don't need it that minute, you're going to need it in the future. And God is trying to prepare you for that. That's the rhema. He don't want you to memorize the whole Bible. He don't want you to mem meditate on the whole Bible. He wants you to meditate on the scriptures that he says are pertinent to your life and your challenges. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I read that a thousand times and never seen it. That's why it's a rhema. It popped out at you. Now you have a revelation of what you read a thousand times. That's what God is showing you. He wants you to understand that and meditate on it. Get it in your heart because you're going to need it. Yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What we have to understand about God's word is that it's a living word. It's alive. There's no other book in the world like it. This word will single you out and talk to you specifically and personally. It has a life. And what's really great about it is it will speak to you in the circumstances that you're in right now. Yes. It just seems to know. Uh -huh. I can't tell you the times that people have come up to me and passed around and said things like, who told you? <laughs> My wife opened her big mouth, didn't she? There's no way you could have known. And I even had someone get mad at us and accuse us of preaching about something that they were going through personally. And I had no business doing that. That wasn't very professional, Pastor. You should have kept that to yourself. I don't even know what you're talking about. But I have news for you. This living word that I preach is alive and active and energized. And it will speak to you on a personal level without me knowing anything about the situation or the circumstances. And what it spoke to you, it didn't speak to someone else. And what it spoke to them, it didn't speak to you. That's the way the word is. God only gets, gives you what's pertinent. When you're hearing this whole message, you're not going to remember 50 minutes of preaching. No. You're going to remember the one thing that stood out to you, the, the one highlight that God says, grab that, you're going to need it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you have to concentrate on. That's the only note you have to take. Yes. Not what pastor said to you. What did God just say to me? That's more important than the whole message. That's, right. That's pertinent. It's, it's something you need. It'll speak to your circumstances. Then in verse 9, he says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. If you want to live in, take up residence in, dwell in the love of God, you better obey his commandments. I know I just lost half of you, but that's all right. That's okay. Abide in Christ. Let his words abide in you. And now he says abide in his love. That's the third key. Uh -huh. I'm trying to show you how to get the joy of the Lord in your life and keep it. Yes. Key number three, he said to abide in his love and keep his commandments. They're, they're, they're interchangeable. You can't separate them. And God is trying to tell us how much he loves us. Yes. He loves us. Period. No matter what we did, what we're doing now, what we're thinking about doing, he already loves us. Yes. He loves us unconditionally. We have to abide, live, dwell, take up residence in that love. 
And that's why the Holy Ghost has shed the love of God abroad in your heart so that we can abide in it. Amen. We don't have to learn about his love. It's, it's already been shed abroad in our heart and we got born again. All we have to do now is abide in that love. Take up residence in it. Dwell in the knowledge that his love is unconditional no matter what we do. That's the kind of love I want from him. And that's the kind of love he wants us to give him and to give our brothers and sisters. Amen. Unconditional love. Unjudgmental love. He said he wants us to abide in his love, but then he said, obey his commandments. And we're like, oh, man, I was doing real good till he said that. But don't worry, you're in good company, because as soon as he said that in this passage of scripture, he lost all 12 of his disciples. But they had an understanding that we don't have. They knew when he talked about obeying his commandments, it was not only talking about the Ten Commandments, but there were 613 additional laws attached to those Ten Commandments. So they had to not only do the Ten Commandments, but they had to make sure that they didn't violate any of the 613 other laws. They knew it was impossible to do that. And so they probably thought when Jesus said that, they said, I'm out of here. That's impossible to keep that law. And this was a big problem that I had as well because I started reading the Bible in the Old Testament. Somebody gave me a Bible. That's how this whole thing got started. I was a Catholic. I knew about the Bible. I never opened one. I had a big one sitting on our coffee table, but never looked at it. I knew about Jesus. I knew what a Bible was. But this guy witnessed to me and he gives me a Bible. So I don't know how to read the Bible. I opened it to the first page like you would any other book. I start reading in Genesis. And as I'm reading through the Bible, the Old Testament, I thought, I don't want to serve a God like this. He's too demanding and he's too judgmental. See, I found out about the Ten Commandments and the 613 laws, and I thought, what's the use? I can't serve this God. I can never meet his standards. And I quit. I quit reading the Bible. And, but that's why I was jumping for joy when I found out Jesus fulfilled all the law. I, I could have found that out right away if I started reading in the right place in the New Testament, in the book of John. Brother Hollis. But Jesus fulfilled all the law and all I had to do was walk in love. If I walked in love, I fulfilled the Ten Commandments and the 613 laws that he wrote about in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. That's when I found out why they called him Savior. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because that was saving to me. Yes. Thank I knew the Ten Commandments, the 613 laws was going to send me straight to hell. And I deserved to go there because there was no way I could keep his commandments. There's no way I could obey him. And that's what the disciples thought when he told them to keep the commandments. And that's why he had to remind them, like I'm going to remind you, what he told them earlier in the New, in the new Testament about the New Commandment. Jesus taught them earlier, I think it was in the fifth chapter of Mark, but he, he said, uh, what commandments you must obey in order to abide in God's love. He said, number one, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. He said, this is the first commandment. And then he said, and the second is like it, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Two commandments. Love the Lord first. Love your neighbors yes. as you love yourself. Yes. 
Everybody loves their self. How much time you spend in the mirror this morning? You love yourself. But then he reminds us, verse 11 and 12 of our text. He says, I have told you these things that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy and gladness may be of full measure and complete and overflowing. This is in the Amplified now. See, that's what being full is. Full measure, complete, crammed to the top, jammed, can't fit another thing in there, and overflowing. See, joy is something that should overflow and splash on other people. You should make other people happy and other people joyful because, you know, a laugh is contagious. Joy is contagious. Happiness is contagious. Amen. But you'd rather give them the flu. But <laughs> he said, <laughs> there's other things to share. <laughs> you mean no flu. Huh? He said, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Oh, that's hard. No, it's not. He gave us that love. He shed it abroad in our heart. It's already in there. It's just like his presence. You've got to recognize it. Believe that it's there and bring it up. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Phew. Glory to God. I have, you know, I don't have to worry about keeping the Ten Commandments and the 613 laws anymore. All I have to do is love God and love my brothers and sisters. Hallelujah, I fulfilled the law. I don't even have to memorize the commandments or the laws. I just have to memorize too. Love him and love you. As long as I'm doing that, I'm in good shape. The word keep, he said keep my commandments. The word keep means to guard. It's the same word that was used in the Hebrew in the garden when God told Adam to keep the garden. See, and that's where we lose it because... It means to guard the garden. That's what Adam didn't do. He didn't guard the garden. It it didn't just mean to make sure you hold the beans and keep the weeds out and all that. That wasn't what he meant. He said, guard the garden, Adam. Why? What's there to guard it from? Just guard it. If I wouldn't tell you to guard it if there wasn't something to guard it from. Adam got lax. He didn't guard the garden. You know the rest of the story. But he says to guard the commandments. I'm I'm abiding in Christ. He's abiding in me. His word is abiding in me. I'm abiding in his love. But in order to continue living there and stay in that joy, I have to guard his commandments and the words that were sown in my heart. The words that he spoke to me. It means I have to guard my heart because that's where the word is sown. You remember in the parable of the sower, he says, as soon as the word is sown in your heart, the devil cometh immediately to take it out. So where is it sown? In the heart. That's where the devil goes to get it out. That's right. That's why God told us in Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, he said, my son, attend to my words. Yes. Pay attention to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Listen to what I'm saying. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Not your mind. Keep them in your heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep, guard thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. You should have life issuing out of your heart. You should have love issuing out of your heart. Things will issue out of your heart. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, uh, out of the heart, uh, 
Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. In other words, you're going to say what's in your heart. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But if you say something bad, it's because it was in your heart. That's where it came from. So he says, guard it with all diligence. So let me tell you something. If you don't guard your heart where all these things are, then the devil or one of your friends is going to steal it from you. You can't keep that commandment. That's too hard. You remember what they did to you? How can you love someone like that? Because the word told me to love them. And I'm guarding that commandment. I'm commanded to love them. I'm guarding that commandment. You can't take it away from me. That commandment overrides anything you can tell me. I'm loving them because I'm supposed to. God commanded me to. That's the end of that challenge. Go on. Take what you want from your employer. He's rich. He's not going to miss it. No, I know one of the Ten Commandments says thou shalt not steal, but that's not why I won't do it. I won't steal it because I love my employer and because I love him, I won't steal from him. Not because it's a commandment, but because I love him. God told me to love him. And if I love him, I won't do that to him. Go on, cheat on your spouse. They'll never find out. You know you want to. No, I know one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not commit adultery, but that's not why I won't cheat on her. I won't cheat on her because I'm walking in love and I love her and God commanded me to love her and God commanded me to love my brethren and sisters and I'm guarding that commandment. It's in my heart and it supersedes everything else. Amen. Uh, this is my favorite. Stay in bed this morning. Go to St. Mattress and the Holy Sheets. <laughs> It won't hurt you to miss one day of church. I know one of his commandments is to keep the Lord's day holy, but that's not why I won't miss church. I won't miss church because I love him and I'm in relationship with him and you can't keep me away from church. Why? Because I know him. I know I'm supposed to keep the day holy. No, because I love him. I don't have to think about reasons why I should miss church or shouldn't miss church. I'm not going to miss church because I'm in a relationship with him. And this is what he wants me to do. So I'm going to be here every time the doors are open. I'm guarding that commandment. Hallelujah. I'm keeping God's commandment. I'm guarding my heart. I'm guarding the word that's in there. So you want the joy of the Lord? Key number one, abide, live, dwell, take up residence in Christ. Let him take up residence and dwell in you. How do I do that? By having a relationship with him, by walking with him and talking with him and fellowshipping with him and eating with him and communion with him. I have a fellowship and a relationship with God. Number two, key number two. Let his words abide, live, dwell, take up residence in you. How? Memorize, meditate, get the living word down in your heart. Key number three, abide, live, dwell, take up residence in his love, obey his commandment. Understand the love that God has for us. As messed up as we are, he loves us. In spite of everything we've ever done or doing now or planning to do, he loves us. He knows what you're thinking and he still loves you. He knows what you're going to do and he still loves you. Can you comprehend that kind of love? Not from a human standpoint. You can't because our love is conditional. It's conditional on how you act, how you treat us, what you say to me, what you don't say to me, what you give me, what you don't give me. It's all, I love you today, I don't love you tomorrow. But his love is unconditional no matter what, and that's the love we're to demonstrate to our brothers and sisters. 
unconditional love. He says, keep, guard his commandments that we are to walk in love towards our neighbors. Don't let the devil talk you out of what's in your heart. That's why you have to guard the commandments. Keep the commandments. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. It's because you have a relationship with Christ that his words are abiding and dwelling and living and taking up residence in you. You're guarding the word and keeping his commandments. And now he says, when you're doing all of that, ask what you will and I'll give it to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That ought to give you some joy right there. And it's like, why did you tell us all of this, Lord? Why did you make this awesome promise to us? Verse 11, these things have I spoken to you. All that stuff we read this morning, all that stuff we studied and exhorted on. He said, these things I have spoken unto you that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. That's why he told us all this. That's why he said, you got to have a relationship. My words got to abide in you. You got to abide in my love. You got to keep my commandments. I guess that's four keys. I don't know. I put uh, keep commandments and Abiding in his love is one key. But this, if this doesn't fill you with joy, then your joy maker is broke. You need to get it fixed. Yes. Now you might have spent some time in his presence. Hallelujah. But get it fixed. Amen. Amen. God wants us to have joy because that's our strength. He wants us to be strong. He don't want us knocked from pillar to post with every little thing that the devil throws at us. He wants us to be able to stand firm. Jesus was guarding that word when he was in the wilderness and the devil told him, if thou is the son of God, cause these stones to become bread. And Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but only by the word that proceedeth out of God's mouth. He had that word in his heart and he was guarding it. As soon as the devil said something, he hit him over the head with the word. Got to have it in your heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't went long enough. Let's stand to our feet. Now I know a couple of you in here don't have any joy. Uh-oh. <laughs> Just a couple. And I'm talking to them two that's in here right now that don't have any joy. I want you to know that you could have the joy of the Lord no matter what's happening on the outside of you. I don't care where you're living, how you're living, who you're living with, what's happening to you. If you can pay your bills, can't pay your bills, have a car, don't have a car. I don't care what your circumstances are. You can still have this joy and maintain it throughout your circumstance. As a matter of fact, it will help you defeat your circumstances because this joy gives you strength. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we could have joy no matter what. We don't have to have the joy of the world because the world didn't give it to us and the world can't take it away. Lord, this joy comes from you. It comes from a relationship that we have with you. It comes from your word abiding in our hearts, Lord. It comes because you love us and we love you back and we not only love you, but we're going to abide in that love and we're going to keep your commandments, Lord. We are going to walk in love towards our brothers and sisters regardless of how we feel about them. Regardless of what they did to us, what they said to us, how they look at us, it don't make any difference. We're going to walk in love towards them anyway. 
whether they related or not related. If they're a neighbor, that means if they're nearby, I'm going to walk in love with them. Hallelujah. I don't even have to know them. I'm going to walk in love with that person I haven't met yet. Hallelujah. Why? Because it's a choice. And I've already made up my mind that when I do meet that person, I don't care if he's ugly, snaggled, too bald headed, mean as a snake. I'm going to love him anyway because you loved me when I was in that condition. And I have to love the way that you love. Hallelujah. Lord, let that love come out of our hearts. We know it's in there because you place it there. God, make us ever aware of your presence, your indwelling presence, Lord. We don't have to seek you. We don't have to look for you. We don't have to fast to get in your presence. We don't have to have music to get in your presence. You're already there. Hallelujah. We're already in your presence. We just have to learn how to recognize it and acknowledge it. And just begin walking and talking with you. Just like Adam did in the garden. He walked and talked with you in the cool of the day. Lord, we thank you and praise you for that type of fellowship. For that type of relationship. You have come down on our level to to fellowship with us. You have come down on our level to pay the price for our sins and die at Calvary for us. So Lord, we we should acknowledge and enjoy your presence. We should acknowledge and walk with you. We should acknowledge and commune with you in good, healthy fellowship with the Lord. Lord, we'll always respect you. Uh, We know that, you know, I'm talking buddy language. I'm talking uh, friend language. I'm talking about hang hang with my buddy type language. But Lord, I, I recognize that you are almighty God. And I will never forget that you're almighty God. But I will fellowship with you on the level that you told me to fellowship with you, Lord. And I will have that relationship. I will not just know of you. I will know you. I will not just know of the word. I will have that word dwelling in my heart. I will not only know how much you love me, but I will demonstrate that love and I will live in it and abide in it. It would have to come out of me because there will be no other kind of love in there, Lord. And God, I will keep your commandments. They're not hard. They're not as hard as I thought they was at one time. All I got to do is love you and I already do that. I got that one whipped and now I have to love my brother and my sister. I'm still struggling with that one, Lord. But with your strength, because of the joy that you give me, I will overcome. Hallelujah. And I will love the unlovable in Jesus' name. And everybody that agreed with that prayer said, Amen. 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 This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.